Like, um, I'm from Colchester, which is famous for Boudicca burning Colchester Castle to the ground, which in itself is quite Essex. Uh, <laughs> but like, I feel like for her to be famous today, she'd have to be like 90% more petty. Just like the Romans would come and they'd be like, Boudicca, we have come to see his Camilla Dunham. And she'd be like, empty day. <laughs> I just feel like if you're gonna come in here, Siege my town. <laughs> that just says so much about you, doesn't it? <laughs> Obviously, so older. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't feel particularly Essex. Like, I have the accent, unfortunately, but like I'm quite pale. Um, and I've, I have tried to fake tan, I just look like a calippo, it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> or a solero, really, because I'm white on the inside. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like, I don't. I don't hold tightly to the Essex brand. Um, that's probably because my parents aren't British. Uh, my dad's Irish. Northern Irish. <laughs> yeah, now it gets quite a big cheer. There's a few people, that's nice. You're just, I like that up north, it does tend to get a cheer. Down south, it never gets a cheer because people go, no, that's not fun island. Fun, fun island, they have big tall Guinness hats. Your hats have eye holes cut out. <laughs> I thought we'd got rid of that reputation, then the DUP got into power. Like, um, are we all watching RuPaul's Drag Race at the moment? Yes! Do we like Blue Hydrangea? Northern Ireland? I, yes! I, yes! I feel like she missed a trick though. In the current political climate, she could have been much more, you know, on brand. She could have gone, hello, nice to meet you. Um, I'm 25 years old and I'm from Derry and my name is Arlene Fister. <laughs> <laughs> and even better, she could have had a nemesis called Sean Fain. <laughs> Brilliant. Hi, Kira. <laughs> Hiya, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How is, uh, how is lockdown treating you? It's got to the point of lockdown, we're over a month in, so it's it's hard to find any sort of adjective to adequately describe it. It's just lockdown is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's basically, you know, how many different types of cotton legging can I find at this point? But um, I'm dressed up today for this because it's some sort of normality. <laughs> looking good, red lipstick, got a, got an eye, got a flick there. Yeah, looking good. This is lit. This is literally the most I've got dressed up for anything. I was like, oh, other people. Literally at this point, you're kind of like the first person I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't realise that it. It's not like playing the piano. You can't practice at home. You have to practice mm. in front of an audience because it's yeah. about finding that connect connection and those nuances. And also what you think is funny. I mean, I don't know if you find the same, but the things mm. I find funny are often not the same things that the audience finds funny. I'm always surprised in yeah. my set where the audience laughs if I'm trying some new material out for the first time. So that means... Yeah. We have to we have to go out. I mean, how many times do you gig a week norm, normally or during a busy period? So for this is the problem, right? So I in Norwich I could get gigs every now and then quite regularly, but you start having the same audiences sometimes or similar people. So you kind of feel a bit conscious of the fact that you're 
you're kind of refining material in front of people that have already seen it. Um, London, I'd like to gig more regularly in London, but I lose money doing that. So the way I've kind of worked my way up is making sure I try and get on bills with a promoter or something like that. So just before lockdown, actually, I had a few gigs at Backyard and um, Leicester Square Comedy Club. But it's it's harder when you're in Norwich to gig frequently and make it worth your while. You have to kind of, it's, it sounds absolutely mad if you don't do stand-up, but you have to maybe accept that you might make a loss for a little bit. And I know drag queens have this too, is you'll lose money on the train ticket there or petrol money. You'll have maybe a terrible gig and come home and think, yeah, I want to do that again. <laughs> it's completely yeah. a bizarre career to do. I have to always um, validate it with my husband because he, he's like, why are you doing this? I, I remember going to this gig and it cost me 30 quid in travel. I bought a drink and I got paid a tenner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you will need the drink sometimes after the gig. You absolutely will need the drink sometimes yeah. afterwards. And so what's the scene like in uh, Norfolk and Norwich? There are a lot more gigs now. There's when I first started, it was pretty much the birdcage, and then Gonzo started, and there was headlights, and that was about it. But now there's quite a lot. So if you're starting a stand-up, Norwich is a really friendly, nice place to start gigging regularly. Yeah, good one. I because I'm from Brighton, and um, I live more in London now. But in Brighton, there's 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 a great scene and it's really supportive but I know what you mean it's it becomes so supportive that because you become friends with other comedians they don't want you to fail badly on stage Mm. they they'll laugh at at, and they'll support you by laughing and then you're like oh okay that's good material and then you're going to try it at a gig where nobody knows who you are and everyone's like why are you telling me this yeah so you need to kind of try it out in hard london in a way don't you to get a real taster sometimes yeah you need that bit of yin and yang you need the nice your friends who are going to laugh and tell you're great for that confidence to get continue doing it and you need really kind of bored cynical audiences to stare at you and go what is this (laughs) Why do we do it? Why do we do it to ourselves? You know, I was saying to somebody the other day, actually, there's um, a stand-up in Norwich called Helen Simpson. And uh, she, one of, part of her routine is to say, Does anyone, has anyone in the audience done uh, CBT? And it is always the stand-ups that put their hands up every single time. It's always the stand-ups who have been in for, like, therapy. <laughs> and stuff like that and it, it's it's interesting I think a lot of us obviously do have experienced mental health problems and stuff like that but there is we're an odd community of people that kind of are very insecure but also need audiences to laugh at us but then also come back for more when they don't <laughs> I, de- I definitely I agree with you. and we're going to get Helen on the show actually and um, I, I when I went, first went to a comedy gig I didn't know I was going to get into comedy, but I was so, I became so quickly fascinated by the people and the scene because it, in a way it's, it's the biggest bunch of weirdos 
And I just felt like, oh, good, my people, I can say anything I want or do anything I want here. Yeah, it's like, and obviously with stand-up, you, you have the odd person who's maybe a bit arrogant or doesn't want to spend their time with you, like after a gig, whatever. But for the most part, it's a group of very anxious weirdos <laughs> who are actually, and I've had this a few times stand-ups, is I've thought someone's not liked me. But actually, we've just been equally anxious about approaching the other person. And I had a really lovely exchange with somebody. It was downstairs at the King's Head. And uh, I thought he just didn't like me, but he had assumed the same about me. And we were just being, and that's sometimes the nice thing about stand-up. He's like, oh, you get this. (laughs) Yeah, 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 camaraderie. Okay, thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to hear from you. Um, where can people here, you know, find out about you? On Instagram, and it is at underscore Kira Jack, and it's the same for Twitter. 